field, right field, and shortstop. Very strong throwing arm. Well, he had a great spring. He led the Cardinals in total bases throughout Grapefruit League play, and that's why he's with the big club. That ball hammered, and we have a tie game. this kid in batting practice and that swing right there it will not be nearly the last some people may think that a guy as young as Pujols here's the 2-2 and that ball's hit well to center field Burnett's on a long run he's going to look up and for Albert Pujols he's just gone to the century mark he hits it out and the Cardinals increase their lead and that's their fourth home run in the ball game but he has joined the line passed Hank Aaron as the seventh youngest. Boy, what a season he's had. What a career he is already. Here's the pitch on the way. Swung on and a high drive to deep left center. And kiss it goodbye. And hello, number 200. That is career home run number 200. And it's a grand slam. Albert Pujols. Down the left field line, and it is gone! Like a foul call for number 300 for Albert Pujols. And he does it against the Chicago Cubs. Cardinals get on the board, and it's 2-1. Not only get on the board, now they're within striking distance because anyone stand that bottom box is a potential time run. So number 300 in Albert's career, and that's it for Howard. And that ball is back into the field, so he'll give this to the net.
El tercer más compronero de Grandes Ligas. Raymond se enviaron y ahora Albert Pujols. the Robinson Gearing Studio Complex and straight out of God's country, Pauley's Island, South Carolina, the Let's Talk Baseball Podcast Network proudly presents Backwards K Pod. And now, here's the host of the show, Jake Robinson. Good moment, baseball universe. What's cracking? Once again, back is the incredible, the pod animal, half man, half podcast machine, Jake the Snake Robinson coming out of Paulie's Island, South Kakalaki. Shields down, photons up. Prepare to engage on this week's digital audio program that I call Backwards K-Pod, where we collect ballplayers and their stories. Want to welcome everyone in this week. What's good? All of you. From the OGs who have followed me. Through all my endeavors the last six years or so to my always growing Seamhead army around the world who have connected with me through this show. Uh, if there are any newbies in here this week, come on in. Make yourself comfortable. Whatever that entails, I don't judge. This is a happy zone where we can all get together, open our kimonos, and share the incredible moments and characters of baseball through her indelible stories. Uh, I'm never going to charge you for the content here. No Patreon, no crowdsourcing. As the kids like to call it. I'm just going to keep coming through every Tuesday uh, on some Iron Man of Pods, Cal Ripken shit. And, you know, I'm just going to bring you that free baseball smoke. And, you know, I don't miss weekly deadlines. I won't charge you. That's pretty much what I'm bringing to the table. So, 
Uh, keep your nickels and your dimes, brothers and sisters. You work too hard for them. I'm just going to come here and do my thing every week. And if you really want to know how you can help me, all you need to do is follow, subscribe, share, download. And that alone helps me do the one thing that I love more than anything in the world. And that's, well, besides my daughter. You know, of course, that's talk baseball to fine folks like yourself. Backwards K-Pod is available on all platforms, wherever you listen to your pods. If you're on an Apple or a Spotify kind of platform there, please remember to rate and review me as you see fit. I ain't scared. Again, this is how you help me, since I don't charge for the content or hammer you with a thousand commercials. Uh, last week, we did Tony Gwynn here, and it seemed to go over really well. I got a lot of good vibes off of it, and really... I mean, who doesn't love Tony, right? I'm not so sure it was anything I did in particular. I just think that people have such more memories of Tony that they just love his story and genuinely love and miss him. But that's okay. The audience showed up, and I'm happy about that. I love Tony myself. So, like y'all, I was interested in, in hearing his story as well. And, uh, you know, so thank you for tuning in. Now... Before the gratuitous love for Tony, I did get another sort of messages from fans who explained uh, how they constructed balls and bats as kids. And I'm not sure if kids today uh, still feel the same struggle that us older generations had. I mean, I live about 35 miles due south of Myrtle Beach where they have the uh, Calrican Little League experience fields at. And, well... We had nothing like this when we were kids. I, I couldn't even tell you what a batting cage looked like till I was in my 20s. So, running out of balls was always like a problem for me and my friends as kids. And after telling you how Tony and his brother Chris and Charles used to use figs for baseball so as not to break any windows in the neighborhood, I was curious as to what some of you in the audience may have used to make balls or bats. And I got a lot of feedback on that question. Jim, out in Salem, Oregon, a uh, fine man out there, he's a school teacher educating young minds, also coaches a baseball team, really good guy out there. He said that when he was a kid, they used undoctored tennis balls, but they would tape, uh, they would tape the bats and tape them, maybe even put a sock around them to kind of deaden uh, the, you know, absorption and, you know, the power of the bat. And they would wrap it up in tape. And he said that they played on tennis courts in the beginning before moving on to uh, a sandlot field in their neighborhood that had shorter home run fences that were made out of grass piles. And I'd never actually heard of this before, taping socks around a bat. But apparently quite a few people, especially in the pack Northwest there, they told me they did the same thing. Cecil down in Florida, he said, uh, he would use balls of aluminum foil with rubber bands, and he would wrap the wrap around wrap the rubber bands around them, and he would you know use those as balls as a kid. And it's almost kind of the same thing that we did in Baltimore. We would take Dixie cups, crumble them up, and then keep putting them in, in another Dixie cup, crumble it up, form it into a ball, and then. You know, keep repeating this process until you had like a hand-sized ball, and then you would wrap it all up in, in like a bunch of rubber bands. And you know, we would either we would use that ball until it either the rubber band started to bust, or we might wrap that up in some tin foil and then tape it 
uh, when you had that rubber band core in the middle, the ball always had a lot of life. So I think that might be an East Coast thing, Cecil. I'm not quite sure. And it was funny because... Cecil said, well, at least you guys had gloves. I had a big Eskimo mitten I used to use. <laughs> First of all, he lives down in Florida. I don't know what he's doing with an Eskimo mitten, but that's what he used. <laughs> like this big mitten he was telling me. It was the funniest goddamn story. Uh, let me see here. My Little League rival, dear friend for life, Timmy Mercado from Baltimore, he reminded me about Stepball. And, oh, man, me and my friends love playing Stepball. And the trick was to be able to hit that that pointy part of that step off the bounce. And if you did that, it was a guaranteed home run. And again, this may be a regional thing. My dude Derek in North Northern Virginia, he said they would always uh, played wall balls, kids, which is kind of like step ball. And uh, we played a lot of that in West Baltimore as well as kids. Brian out in Dewey, Arizona, uh, my buddy and I would play one on one wiffle ball. We would have a draft using baseball cards, and we literally had to emulate the hitter each time through the lineup, and that's awesome. I mean, when I was a kid, I loved striking that Eddie Murray pose. You know what I'm saying? Johnny, Eastern Kentucky. He said sometimes he used Dad's old wooden bats. Sometimes it was just a wiffle ball set. And one time they experimented with bouncy balls, and he remembers hitting one clear across the yard, across the street, and into old lady Cooper's rose bushes. And uh, he said, I didn't dare ask for that one back. (laughs) Matt from Kennersville, North Carolina. First of all, he always crossed his chest like his idol, Dave Concepcion. And he wanted me to know that we ain't even Catholic. (laughs) And... And we couldn't find a ball to play with. We wrapped socks up in duct tape. And, folks, on and on and on it went. I loved it. All these things have brought back so many memories with me. It's good to know I'm not the only freak out there who did these kinds of things. It's good to know that there are others who shared this bizarre behavior with me. I think some of these opportunistic ways of playing the games as kids is kind of geographical. It's kind of based on your socioeconomic status. Uh, a kid like Jimmy in Salem, Oregon, he probably has a more open area to play as a kid than a person like me from West Baltimore living in a tightly packed residential neighborhood. You know, and also, you know, this tightly packed urban environment as a whole, we adjusted the hood to be able to play games like step and wall ball and things like that. You can always... Uh, you always hear how these kids in South America use milk carton gloves and soda casts for balls, or how Ichiro used to hit ping pong balls with shovels in Japan. Well, let me tell you, poor kids like myself here in America, uh, we always had to find inventive ways to play this game as well. So, I want to thank you all for the warm words about Tony and the show, as well as reaching out to me and telling me the various MacGyver-like ways you made the games playable as a kid. And I love reading your messages and responding back. So if you got something you want to say to the snake, hit me up on email, backwardskpod at gmail.com. You can leave your questions on our Twitter page show at back underscore k underscore podcast. Or you can always find me on the Facebook uh, there at the Let's Talk Baseball Podcast Network Facebook private group page. So with all that being said, I see the catcher is set to come down. Let's call all aboard as we get this night train stocked, locked, and ready to rock. 
Uh, we're going to be taking a look at arguably the greatest right-handed hitter of my generation, if not in the history of baseball this week. We will be taking a look at the one and only, the machine, Albert Pujols. And full disclosure here, folks, as soon as I heard that this was it for Albert, I threw him on the calendar in the mix for an October show. Uh, I kind of had him floating there as the plan was to always bust the story out when he was done. And, you know, I'm like a snake waiting for you to call the end, and then I'm going to devour you, your story, your soul. And I'll have all your powers now. But that, you know, that's another story for another pod. And truth be told, I was looking forward to telling a story. Because to me, he is that important. Even without the story ending of the 22 season, he is without question one of the most prodigious hitters in the history of the game. So I was looking forward to adding him to the collection. But there was always this side of me that wasn't sure if he would even get enough ABs to get the 700 career home runs this year. Or if he did get those at-bats, was there still enough thunder in the lumber to get it done? I was genuinely skeptical. It doesn't take anything away from his raw production and stats and his mighty career. But there was this thought for me that he may just drift away into retirement with mostly the indelible memories of the first decade of his career. And that's good enough to keep his legacy intact, which is fine. I mean, he's a beast either way. But I kind of felt like the last couple of years, he looked like he was going through the motions. Maybe he wasn't enjoying baseball. Uh, maybe the injuries were catching up with him. Uh, it just didn't look like he was enjoying it, especially, you know, playing irrelevant baseball games in September and October. And something was myth- missing. He had become like this ambassador of baseball, which many future Hall of Famers become in their waning years. But I wasn't sure that he would get to that pinnacle 700 home run mountaintop. And, oh my damn, was I wrong? As Albert took us old fellers back to a day when the uniform, the magic, and the absolute consistent dominance of his play, it made him the most feared batter in all of baseball. Jose Alberto Pujols Alcantara was born January 16, 1980 in Santo Domingo, Dominican Republic. He was an only child, but he had a large family infrastructure with 10 aunts and uncles who loved and cared for him. His father, Bienvenidos Pujols, was a successful softball pitcher who battled alcoholism most of his life. As a child... Albert adored and he idolized his father. He's always following around despite his flaws. And he would follow him ballpark to ballpark. And unfortunately, Albert lived like this codependent childhood life as one of his earliest memories was always bringing his drunk father home after games. Now, growing up in the streets of Santo Domingo, Albert and his friends went home their baseball skills using limes for balls and milk carton gloves. And this is going back to what I was just talking about, right? In 1996, uh, at the age of 16, Albert, his grandmother, and his father moved to Washington Heights in New York City. And after a few months of living there, the family witnessed a murder in a local bodega, and they would be gone within two months of moving to New York. The trio moved to Independence, Missouri, where Albert attended Fort Osage High School. 
And it was there that Albert experienced a real culture shock to a system. He was almost an outcast. He was the only Spanish kid in the school. His English was meh. And most of the kids, uh, they actually thought he was older because, you know, because of his size. And he had, like, a full goatee. (laughs) So they questioned his, his, you know, age. But it was on the baseball field where Albert would find his uh, peace of mind. And he would gain his admiration as he was twice awarded All-State Honors in baseball. And as a senior, he was walked 55 times intentionally. But he still hit eight home runs and only 33 at-bats. One of those home runs was measured at 450 feet or 140 meters for all my international seamhead brothers and sisters. He was then offered a scholarship and attended Maple Woods Community College in Kansas City. In his first game from Maple Woods Community College, he hit a grand slam and turned an unassisted triple play while playing shortstop. He batted 461 with 22 long balls as a freshman before the St. Louis Cardinals drafted him in the 13th round of the MLB Amateur Draft. And sidebar here. Uh... How much of a value bargain is Pujols in the 13th round, right? The 13th round. The dude hit 700 home runs. The the cards got that dude in the 13th round with the 402nd pick. Definitely one of baseball's value picks in in baseball amateur draft history. I mean, it's right there with Nolan Ryan in the 12th round and Mike Piazza in the 62nd round. Okay, well, maybe not there with Piazza. That's just nutty. But definitely there with Ryan. I mean, that is some great value there in the 13th round. You feel me? But I digress. The truth is, uh, very few teams were interested in Albert because of the uncertainty of his age. The Rays had a scout named Fernando Arango that begged and pleaded for Tampa to take the kid from a small Missouri community college, and when Tampa Bay did not take his advice, he quit on the spot. Fernando Arango. That's awesome. Take this dude. No, we're not going to take him. I quit. See ya. Nice. Paul originally turned down a $10,000 signing bonus, and he spent the summer playing for the Hayes Lark baseball team of the Jayhawks Collegiate League. Eventually, the cards upped the bonus to $60,000, and Pujols accepted. Albert began his minor league career with the Peoria Chiefs of the single-A Midwest League, and he made his presence felt immediately. He batted three twenty-eight, smashed 128 hits, 32 doubles, 6 triples, 17 home runs, 84 RBIs in 109 games. And he was voted the league's most valuable player, and he made the all-star team. He then moved on to play 21 games with uh, Potomac Cannons in the high A Carolina League. He batted 284 with 23 hits, 8 doubles, 2 home runs, 10 RBI. And he would finish that whirlwind 2000 season with the Memphis Redbirds in the AAA Pat Coast League. He only played in three regular season games with them, but the Cardinals sent him there to get postseason experience, and he absolutely destroyed opposing pitchers, batting 367, winning postseason MVP honors, and leading the Redbirds to their first Pat Coast League title. In 2001, with an invite to spring training, 
Pools is turning heads. So much so that first base slugger Mark McGuire tells manager and good friend Tony LaRussa that you better promote this kid or it's going to cost you your job down the road. And some card fans feel like uh, they like to opine that if Bobby Bonilla had not been injured in spring training that year, Pools may not have made the big club, to which LaRusso always laughs that theory off by saying he was already impressed enough by Albert that he was always going to make that team. In fact, he says the last roster spot, it actually came down to Bobby Bonilla and John Mabry. And although Pujols didn't have a position of his own that year, he played at third base, first base, left field, and right field. Albert makes his Major League Baseball debut versus the Colorado Rockies, on April 2nd, 2001. And he becomes the first player born in the 1980s to play in the major leagues. He recorded his first hit, a single, in an 8 to nothing loss to Mike Hampton in the Rocks. Four days later, he banged out three hits, drove in three, and he records his first home run of his major league career off of Armando Reynoso of the Arizona Diamondbacks in a 12-9 victory. In his first home at bat, Pujols hits a shot. A two-run blast in the first off of Danny Nagel and the Rockies. He is one of only three rookies to hit 20 or more home runs in their rookie year before July, along with Wally Berger in 1930 for the Boston Braves and Jock Peterson in 2015 for the Dodgers. He also became the first Cards rookie since Luis Arroyo in 1953 to make the All-Star team as a rookie. By the end of the 2001 season, Paul Hulse had established himself as a feared slugger with one of the greatest rookie seasons ever. He played in 161 games, scored 112 runs while driving in 130, which set an NL record for most RBIs by a rookie. 194 hits, 47 of those were doubles, 37 of them were home runs. 360 total bases, a 329-403-610 slash, and a 1.013 OPS. 157 OPS plus, and a 7.2 war. He won the Rookie of the Year unanimously, and he came in fourth for MVP MVP voting behind Barry Bonds, Sammy Sosa, and Luis Gonzalez. He was named the NL Slugger, uh, Silver Slugger at third base, and he became only the fourth Major League rookie to hit 300 with 30 home runs, 100 runs, and 100 RBIs. The Cardinals would finish that year with a 93-69 and 69 record, and that was good enough to earn them a berth in the postseason with a wild card. They would advance to the NLDS that year versus eventual World Series champions, uh, the Arizona Diamondbacks. In Game 2, October 12th, Cards versus Snakes, Pools jumps all over Randy Johnson slider for a game-winning two-run homer and a 4-1 victory. Pools and the Cards would be eliminated, though, as Albert only had two hits in 18 at-bats. In 2002, Albert spends most of his time playing in left field. He begins the season batting cleanup, but he would eventually settle in the three-hole by May, and that would pretty much be his lineup spot for the rest of his Cardinals career. He hit his 30th home run in 2002, and 100th RBI the season, and a 5-4 loss to the Reds in August, making him just the 6th Cardinal to have back-to-back 30 home run seasons, 
and the only Cardinal besides Ray Jablonski to start their St. Louis career off with back-to-back 30 home runs in 100 RBI seasons. Pauls finished the year batting 314 with 185 hits, 40 doubles, 34 home runs, 118 runs scored, 127 driven in, leading the court cards to an NL Central title. He became the first player in Major League Baseball history to start up the first two seasons of their career with a 300 average, 30 home runs, and 100 RBIs. He finished second that year in the MVP votes behind Barry Bonds, becoming the first card since Stan Musel to finish in the top four in MVP voting in consecutive years. And it was a great year for St. Louis. Their, their pitching was top shelf liquor. Well, they had the best, uh, fourth best ER in the league that year. Their offense was feeding off the young pool holes as the team finished second in the league in batting average and RBI, third in team home runs. They go back to the playoffs. Avenged their loss from the year before, dusted off the snakes in the NLDS, but they would lose the pennant five games to the San Francisco Giants. Albert had five hits in that NLCS with one home run and two RBIs. In 2003, he begins a string of eight straight NL All-Star starts. And it also coincides with that fact that year he led all NL players in votes. From July to August, he is white hot in the midst of what could be, uh, what would be a 30-game history, which is the second longest hitting streak in Cards franchise Tied with Stan the Man, and only behind Rogers Hornsby's 33-game streak. On July 20th of 2003, the machine drops Dong for the 100th time off of Dallas Perez of the Los Angeles Dodgers. And recently I saw an interview where he smiles reminiscing over that ball, saying, I still remember how good that one felt. I got a good pitch to hit, and I always had good success against our Dallas so, with that blast, he became only the third player in Major League Baseball history to hit his 100th home run by Season 3, along with Ralph Kiner, Eddie Matthews, and Joe DiMaggio. And, yeah, good Lord, man. If there was ever three guys you'd want your game to be linked to, it's this trio right here, ain't it? Not too bad. On September 20th, in a game versus the Strohs, pool holes. Hits career home run number 114, which tied him with Kiner for the most home runs by a player in the first three seasons. In 157 games, he belted 43 home runs, 124 RBI, and he led the league in runs with 147. Uh, Over 212 hits, 51 doubles. I mean, just a ridiculous year. These numbers are crazy. And 23 years old, He becomes the youngest NL batting champ since Tommy Davis of the Dodgers back in 1962. The cards fell off. They didn't make the postseason that year. But individually, Pools had an amazing season. Culminated with a second Silver Slugger Award and his first Sporting News Player of the Year Award. Although, he would again finish second to Mr. Bonds in that MVP race. In 2004... 
Pujols officially takes over first base after Tito Martinez has moved in the offseason, and the Cards reward Albert with a seven-year, $100 million contract with a $16 million club option for 2011. Man, I do this every week, so I need to stop. I need to do it this week, even though it's a close time period. I have to note that $100 million uh, and 2004 is now equivalent after inflation adjustments. It's about $157.1 million here today in the 2022 economy. During a game in September versus the Rocks, he earned his 500th career RBI, joining Ted Williams and Joe DiMaggio as the only player to have 500 RBIs in their first four seasons. Although Pujols developed plantar fasciitis, a problem that would affect him throughout his career, he finished with a 331 average, 196 hits, 51 doubles, 46 home runs, 133 runs, which led the league, and 123 RBI. My God. I mean, it's... I get tired just just spitting it out to you. It's amazing. He won the Silver Slug Award at first base, which was now his third position that he had won that prestigious trophy at. He finished third in MVP voting that year behind Bonds and Adrian Beltray of the Dodgers. And side of it. This is so long ago. I, I almost forgot Beltre was a Dodger sometimes. I mean, it seems like it shouldn't be that long ago, but sometimes it really is. I mean, think about it. We've had four different presidents of the United States since this season went down. Four. That's right. Let that sink in. And, man, Bonds, looking back, right, he's got a monopoly on this hardware right now. <laughs> As a team... The cards were good. They won the NL Central. They faced off against the Dodgers in the NLDS. Game four. Pujols splooges all over Wilson Alvarez's face with a three-run dong. Picking up another RBI late in the 6-2 series clinching win. In a pivotal game six of the NLCS against the Astros, Pujols had three hits, scored three runs, and hit a two-run shot en route to a 6-4 victory. And the Cardinals eventually win in Game 7 to close out Houston, advance to the World Series versus the American League champion Boston Red Sox. Who, you know, at this time, miraculously, and we all know like now in 2020 hindsight, uh, you know, what a miraculous comeback they had against the Yankees from a three games to one hole. And their, their comeback had completely overshadowed the Cardinals' terrific NL postseason play. Pool holes for his efforts was named the NLCS MVP. However, the Red Sox, like I said, riding that high from finally chopping off their rivals' heads and dragging it through the market square. They were in a frenzy, and the Cardinals, well, the bats went ice cold. As Pujols, with his 333 World Series average, was one of only three Cardinals to bat over 250 in that series. The Red Sox would go on to break an 86-year-old curse and sweep St. Louis four games to zero. And I think at some point we need to cover baseball curses. I want to make sure I get that up in the next podcast season. Baseball curses. In 2005, Pujols picked up RBI number 100 on August 31st and joined Williams, 
DiMaggio, and Al Simmons as the only player with 100 RBI in the first five seasons of a career. Albert hits home run number 200 of Cincinnati Reds hurler Matt Bellisle on September 30th, 2005. A towering, majestic grand slam to left center field. Albert's fondest remembrance of that game is he had used former teammate and now MLB Network analyst uh, Eduardo Perez's bat. And he acknowledges that it felt gone as soon as it left his bat. The 200 blast had made him the third youngest player in the game to hit that mark behind Mel Ott and Eddie Matthews. And he also was the second fastest, only to Kiner, uh, to reach it. And look, every year in that first decade was ridiculous. It's mind-numbingly ridiculous. So I'm not going to give you a stats for every year. I, I, I don't really want to bog you down year after year with these amazing stats. But make no bones about it. This is the most dominant decade I've ever seen in the modern age of baseball. It's just facts. From every metric, 195 hits, 335 average, 41 dogs, blah, 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 blah. I mean, year in, year out. This is what Albert does. This is what Albert's about. And finally, finally, Bonds is mortal. He only plays 14 games in 05 because of a foot injury. And Pujols is finally rewarded for his greatness with his first NL MVP crown. In 2006, the Cards returned to the postseason. Pujols has five hits and nine at-bats in the NLDS sweep versus San Diego, a series we talked about a little bit last week in our Tony Tony Gwynn spectacle. If you haven't heard that show, check it out on your podcast platform archives or go on over to diamondsnakejake.podbean.com. In Game 5, of the NLCS, the machine hit one of the most memorable home runs in postseason history when he hit a mammoth three-run blast uh, off of Brad Lidge. Oh, my Lord. And quite honestly, folks, I'm not even convinced that ball landed yet. They, they say it landed on the train tracks in the back of the stadium, formerly known as Enron, but... I don't know. That shot would prove to be the game winner. But the Astros would prevail in that series to win the pennant. And actually, I think I got some uh, footage of that uh, Brad Lidge. I got, some, I got some tape here. Let's check that out real quick. Oh, the pool. In the air, left field, and Pools is given St. Louis the lead. A dramatic, towering three-run home run. Stunned in disbelief here in Houston. A single by Eckstein, a walk to Edmonds, and how about Albert Pools? He got the slider, but it was not a good slider. Stayed right over the middle of the plate. He nearly knocked that left field wall down out there behind the Crawford boxes. I mean, that's the best extension we've seen from Pujols in this series. He has no doubt that ball's headed out of here. Boy, the collective intake of breath turned this place into a vacuum when that ball came off the bat of Albert Pujols. And Brentley, I think that's Brentley there. He's calling it right, man, because, you know, they were hyped 
And that stadium became like a morgue. I mean, everyone was their their collective breaths were just like taken out of their bodies when Albert hit that ball. It is truly one of the most memorable playoff home runs ever. If you don't know what I'm talking about, uh, you're probably really really young, and you need to get to your Google machine and check that out uh, somewhere on YouTube. In April of '06, I mean, Brad Lidge was uh, as dominant as a closer as you could have that season. And once Albert exposed him like that, he was never the same. I mean, he probably hurt his neck jerking it around watching that fly ball, you know, the flight of that ball leave Enron. But, you know, I just, it, it was one of the craziest postseason home runs ever. So, in April of 06, he picks up number, hit number 1,000 with a home run. Versus Cubs, Jerome Williams in a 9-3 victory. On June 4th, the machine is on the DL for the first time in his career. With a strained right oblique, that would keep him out for three weeks. But he was able to come back and be his usual stellar self at the top. Or, you know, leading in virtually all of these offensive categories as usual. Of the 49 home runs he hit that year, 20 produced games, game-winning results. Uh, which broke Willie Mays' record set in 1962. He won his first Gold Glove Award at first base, and he finished runner-up to Ryan Howard of the Phillies for the NL MVP honors. Led by Pujols' bat and Chris Carpenter's arm, the Cards, they shredded the NL Central that year. They reached the playoffs for the third season in a row. Game one of the NLDS versus San Diego. Pujols drops two rung dong all over Jake Peavy's lips as St. Louis wins 5-1. He also had three hits, including the game-winning RBI in Game 2 and a 2-1 victory versus David Wells. He batted 333 as the Cardinals again sweep the Friars. In the 2020, uh, in the, I'm sorry, in the NLCS, the machine put the Mets in their place. He batted 318, had a home run, one RBI, three runs scored in a series as the Cardinals put the Mets down in seven. And on to the World Series, Pujols, he sets the Cardinals' tone with a two-run home run in game one versus the Tigers and Justin Verlander on the bump. And he leads them to a 72 victory and eventually to a four-games-to-one route of the Detroit Tigers for Albert's very first World Championship. In 2008, the machine started the season off with a 42-game hitting streak, and he would hit his 300th home run off of Bob Howery in a 2-1 loss versus the Cubs. Paul says that one was special because it was actually a great pitch, a fastball in, and he acknowledges that he was pretty proud of himself rounding the bases because he was able to stay inside that pitch, and as he's running around the bases, he's asking himself, uh, how did you stay inside of that ball? So he's kind of proud, you know, really proud of that 300th home run. On September 11th, and a 3-2 loss to the Cubs, Pujols gets his 100th RBI of the season against Richie Harden, making him only the third player in Major League Baseball history to have eight consecutive 100 RBI seasons to start up a career. And that's along with Teddy Ballgame and Al Simmons. He put up his usual spectacular numbers, won a Ford Silver Slugger Award, his second Sporting News Player of the Year Award, and a Roberto Clemente Award for his tireless efforts in the community. On April 25th, uh, 25th 2009, 
Albert picked up his 1,000th RBI with a grand slam off David Patton and an 8-2 victory over the Cubs. On July 3rd, he cracked his 10th grand slam against David Weathers and the Cincinnati Reds, breaking the Cardinals' record set by Stan Musel for the club-leading grand slams. The grand slam was his 350th home run, making him the third quickest to that mark, behind only Ken Griffey Jr. and Alex Rodriguez. And that year, he received almost 6 million votes on the All-Star ballot, the most ever for a National League player. And same old, same old, ho-hum, ho-hum, Albert wins his fifth Silver Slug Award, uh, league-leading 47 home runs, 124 runs scored. He was unanimously selected for his second NLMVP, joining only Ted Williams and Joe Morgan as back-to-back winners. 2010, June 29th, in an 8-0 victory over the Snakes, Pujols hits five RBIs and two home runs off of Southpaw Dontrell Willis, for his 37th career multi-home run game, tying Musel for another Cardinals franchise record. On August 26th, and a 13-10 loss to the Nationals, Paul sets a fastball up thrown by Nats hurler Jordan Zimmerman, and he hits it into the left field stands for home run number 400. It's that blast... Pujols got to 400 home runs and fewer at-bats than anyone except Mark McGuire, Babe Ruth, Harmon Killebrew, and Jim Tomei. Again, Pujols collected 100 ribs for his 10th consecutive year. Only Simmons had a longer streak in the beginning of his career. Uh, With 100 RBIs, he had 11. Pujols was now in the company of immortals in his first decade in. He's joining the exclusive group of Al Simmons, Jimmy Fox, Lou Gehrig, A-Rod, and having 10 straight 100 RBIs in any 10 consecutive year span. He also eventually passed Musel for the club record of multi-home run games with his 38th against the Atlanta Braves and pitcher Tim Hudson. In 2011, uh, with contract negotiations swirling in the background, Pools collides with Royals' Wilson Benamit, suffering a slight fracture in his wrist and keeping him inactive going on into July. On July 30th, he got his 2,000th hit off of Carlos Marmol and a 92 win versus the Cubbies. With that hit, he became the 12th fastest player to reach that mark and he became the 5th Cardinal to have 2,000 hits. Which, sidebar here. Five Cardinals have 2,000 hits. That, that's pretty That's pretty incredible. His play down a stretch propelled the Cards to overcome a 10-and-a-half game deficit to win the wild card. He hit 37 home runs and drove in 100, but for the first time in his career, he would not hit 300 as he finished with a 299 average. He batted 350 with one RBI in the NLDS in a five-game series over Filthy, and he batted 478 with two home runs and nine RBIs in the NLCS over the Brewers in six games. And for the third time, Pujols will go back to the World Series. Game three of the World Series versus the Texas Rangers. Pujols had five hits, three home runs, four runs scored, and six RBI in a 16-7 victory. Joining Reggie Jackson and Babe Ruth, 
as players, the only players, to have ever hit three home runs in a World Series game. He set a World Series record with 14 total bases in the game that night. He became the first player in series history to hit in four consecutive innings. And he tied records for the most hits in a World Series game, as I mentioned in the 1984 Brewers show a month ago, tied with Paul Molitor. And with most RBIs in a World Series game. Now, the rest of the series, he was actually the human. Has, he only had one more hit, no more RBIs, but it really didn't matter. He, he had, uh, you know, a series worth of production in one game. Man, it didn't matter. The Cards won the World Series on some crazy uh, David Freeze, Nelson Cruz shit. And Pujols, with two rings, was now set to hit free agency. There were three teams reportedly interested in Albert during the 2011 offseason. The Cards, the Fish, and the Halos. The Cards offered Albert a 10-year, $210 million deal with $30 million of that deferred. But Pujols rejected it, wondering why St. Louis only offered a 5-year deal initially. The Marlins offered a 10-year deal as well, but on December 8th, he signed a 10-year deal worth $254 million with the Anaheim Angels. Pujols did not perform well to begin the 2012 season, even though you know it was a slow start. Albert got hot around the All-Star break, and he finished the season strong with 30 home runs, 105 RBI, and a 285, 343, 516 slash, with a 138 OPS+. In 2013, Pujols had his worst year as a pro to date. After failing to play 100 games in a season for the first time, on August 19th, with a 253 average, 17 home runs, 64 ribs, Pujols was rolled out of the remainder of the season while he worked through a foot injury. On April 22nd, 2014, Albert hits career home run number 499 and 500 off of Washington pitcher Taylor Jordan at Nationals Park, where the same place where he had hit uh, number 400. He became the 26th batter to reach the 500 plateau, the third youngest to reach it. On September 6th of that year, he got base hit number 2,500. That was a sharp double off of Twins pitcher Jared Burton. He became the fifth player in league history with 2,500 hits, 500 home runs, while maintaining a 310, 310 lifetime average after Ruth, Fox, Teddy, and Manny Ramirez. 2015. He enjoys his first offseason in some time with no injury concerns. And after a slow start at the gate, Albert picks his game up. He wins his first AL Player of the Month in June. On September 22nd of 2015, he hits home run number 566 to pass Manny Ramirez for sole possession of 14th place. He had 40 home runs for the seventh time in his career. And with teammate Mike Trout hitting 40 home runs as well, the Cherubs became the 31st team in Major League Baseball history to have two 40 home run hitting teammates in the same year. By season's end, Pujols had batted 244, 307, 480. He had the lowing batting average on balls and play at 217, and he was now the third highest player in the game. While playing the Reds on August 29th, he smashed his 29th home run of the season 
tying him with Frank Robinson's 586 for ninth place. On June 3rd, 2017, Pauls becomes the ninth player in Major League Baseball history to drop 600 bombs with a grand slam off Irvin Santana and the Minnesota Twins. And that was in front of a packed Angel Stadium. Pauls took a fastball up. He dropped it in the left field of the rowdy crowd who had come to see history. The rest of the season was a blur for Albert as he struggled mightily with a 241 average, 286 on base percentage while leading the league, uh, leading the majors, actually, and grounding into double plays 26 times. On May 4th, 2018, Albert recorded hit number 3,000 off of Mariners pitcher Mike Leake. On June 12th of that same year, he hits home run number 630, passing Ken Griffey Jr. for 6th place all-time. He hit a single August 10th for his 1,000th hit as an angel, and... With that hit, he became only the ninth player to get a 1,000 hits in both leagues. He would eventually have season-ending surgery on his left knee in August and on his right elbow. On May 9th, 2019, Pools becomes just the fourth player to record 2,000 RBI when he hits a solo bomb at Comerica Park. He would also drop Dong on June 13th, becoming only the sixth player to register 200 bombs with two different teams. In 2019, he batted 244-305-430. He had the lowest line drive ratio of all MLB hitters. He had the second slowest sprint speed to uh, first base in the league. And he was the third oldest player in the league. He was the fourth highest paid player in the American League. By 2020, Albert is the oldest player in the league. On August 24th, he passes A-Rod to reach his uh, second on the all-time RBI list. On September 18th, he passes Willie Mays with his 661st home run for sole possession of fifth place. Also that year, Albert bottomed out. uh, 244-273-95 slash, six home runs, 152 at-bats. He begins the 2021 season on the Cherubs, but by May 6th, the Angels designated Pujols for assignment. Uh, with the rise of Brandon Marsh and Shohei Otani, it was becoming increasingly harder to find playing time for the icon. Through 24 games, Pujols was batting 198 with five home runs. On May 13th, he cleared waivers and he became a free agent. In nine years plus with Anaheim, Pujols hit 256 with 222 homers, 783 runs batted in. And during his tenure, the team won the AL West once and won zero postseason games. On May 17th, Pujols agreed to a one-year deal with the Dodgers. With his number five being worn by Corey Seager already, Pujols adopts 55. On May 20th, he hits his first home run as a Dodger. A 2-1 blast off Snakes pitcher Merrill Kelly. Overall, in 2021, he appeared in 85 games. He hit 12 home runs, drove in 38. And for the third time of the year, he was the oldest player in the majors in his first postseason appearance since 2014. Uh, In that postseason, he did pretty good. He hit 278 with five hits and 18 at-bats. On March 28, 2022, Pujols signed a one-year deal with the St. Louis Cardinals to return to where it all began. St. Louis. 
I mean, unbelievable. I, I still get stirred up thinking about this past season with him. The iconic legend announced that 2022 would be his last season, to which that's about the time I automatically penciled in for the show. You know what I'm saying? So on May 15th, he makes his pitching debut in a 15-6 blowout win versus the Giants. <laughs> he gave up two home runs and four home runs in the ninth. He became the 10th player to play in 3,000 games against Tampa on June 7th. Albert singled for his 3,320th hit, passing Paul Molitor for 10th in all-time hits. In a game versus Filthy on July 10th, Pujols drops Dong with his 1,337 extra base hit, tying him for third with that musel feller again. Pujols was chosen as an honorary member of the NL All-Star team and even participated in the Home Run Derby, being eliminated, eliminated by the eventual winner, Juan Soto, in the second, home, uh, second round. I believe that was by one home run, if I'm not mistaken. On August 20th, he passes Musel on total bases, uh, and he's now has sole possession of second place on the total base list. On August 22nd, Pujols is on fire. 700 is getting clearer, it's getting closer, and he's going to do it. And uh, the NL announces that he and Paul Goldschmidt have been elected NL co-players uh, co of the month. Uh, that was in August. On August 26th, he ambushes Red Hurler Ross Detwaller with a blast. That was the 450 pitcher to feel his wrath. Um, and that surpassed the previous total set by Barry Bonds. On September 10th and 11th, he hits home run number 696 and 697 at PNC Park versus the Pirates. That uh, moves him into fourth place on the Hallowed Home Run list. On September 14th, he becomes the second player to compile 2,200 RBI. And on September 23rd, he becomes the fourth player to hit seven home runs when he blasts Dodgers right-handed pitcher Phil Beckford in the mouth with his 500 home run of a right-handed pitching. Let's try that again. Left field, right field. And it's deep to left. Taylor's back at the wall. It's 700. Albert Pujols has joined the 700 home run club. I kind of fumbled that uh, that audio there, but yeah, that was a seven other home run. 
He hit that off of Phil Beck, uh, Bickford of the Los Angeles Dodgers. And, I mean, he put a charge in that, that stadium, that ball. I mean, it was a great, great moment if you were a fan of baseball. On October 2nd, he hits career home run number 702 in his last career home game in St. Louis. On October 3rd, he hit number 703, his final home run of his incredible career, and it also gave him sole possession of second place in the RBI list. The Redbirds won the NL Central, but the Red Hot Phils eliminated them and Pools in his 10th and final postseason tournament. Albert did single in his last two at-bats before waving goodbye to baseball fans throughout the league. And folks, that's where I'm going to end this story and add it to our collection. What a career. What a life. I mean, really. I feel so blessed to watch this guy do it. And by all accounts, he did it clean. So, kudos to you, Mr. Pujols. Thank you from this fan for giving me the privilege of watching you ball out. Now, let's take a look at those final stats of this incredible career. Let's see here. Albert Pujols, the machine. 11-time All-Star, two-time world champion, 2006 and 2011. Three-time NL MVP, 2005, 2008, 2009. NL Rookie of the Year, 2001. NLCS MVP, 2004. Two Gold Gloves, 2006, 2010. Six Silver Slugger Awards. Two Hank Aaron Awards. A Roberto Clemente Award in 2008. 2003 NL Batting Champ. And a two-time NL Home Run King. 22 years with the Cardinals, Angels, and Dodgers. A 101.6 war. 3,080 games played. 13,041 plate appearances. 1,914 runs scored. Fifth all-time. 16 triples. 703 home runs, which is the fourth most all-time. 2,218 RBI. Second all-time. 117 stolen bases. 43 times caught. 1,373 walks, 1,404 times struck out, 6,211 total bases, that's second only to Aaron, and a 145 OPS plus. Albert finished with a 296, 374, 544 slash. And simply put, he is one of the greatest and most devastating right-handed pitcher, right-handed hitters the game has ever seen. And there you have it, folks. Another story in this book. And it's been an absolute honor to watch this guy perform from day one. Uh, may your next chapters in life be fruitful and full of success, brother. You're an amazing ball player, Albert. And you're an amazing person as well. And there are all kinds of stuff out there on Albert. Plenty of stuff on YouTube and Google search. And by all means, I implore you, check that dude out, man. I want to thank all y'all for sharing this moment with me. I hope you enjoyed listening as much as I enjoyed sharing. I'm proud to say we now have pools in our collection. Long before anybody else. And I'm also proud to have the support of all you beautiful minded seam heads. So, 
with the Albert Pujols story finished, I'd chop off the pool head, Pujols head of this baseball hydra, and two more stories appear. With the pool story in my rearview mirror, I now turn my focus onto next week's show, where we will be taking a look at the history of Kauffman Stadium out in Kansas City, a beautiful ballpark that has seen her share of facelifts, facelifts, but still holds her charm, beauty, relevance, relevancy here in 2022. So yeah, totally, totally looking forward to that. I hope to see you next week when I break that down. But look, that's another story for another pod here at Backwards K Pod, where we collect ball players and their stories. Parents, if you see your kid sitting on the couch, they got their nose in their phone looking bored AF. By all means, take him or her outside and play a game of catch. Thank you all for coming out. God bless. And win the day.